I've entitled this message, Christ's Message to the World. Who is speaking? This is the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is his message to the world. Are you in the world? Then this message is his message to you. Christ's message to the world. Verse 16, for God so loved the world. The fact that the verse starts with the conjunction for tells us that this verse can't be read properly without reading the Preceding verses, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now this is talking about the crucifixion of the Son of God. He says with regard to himself, I must be crucified. Why? What was his purpose for coming? He said, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this cause came I into this hour. He came to be crucified. He came to be nailed to a cross, to suffer, and to die. Now, sometimes when I read a blood and sacrifice, I think, why? It seems barbaric. You know, we wouldn't think that with regard to a man who was greatly guilty of horrible crimes against humanity and him being punished for that sin. We wouldn't think that's not barbaric, that's just. Yet when we hear the gospel, we might have a tendency to think that's barbaric. No, it's not. He's called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He came to be crucified. He came to suffer. Why? Why? Well, the Lord tells us why. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now the eternal life he's speaking of is the life of God in the soul of man when he says live and all of a sudden you live. We're born into this world dead in sins. Oh, we're alive physically but we're dead spiritually. But when he says live we live. You know one of the things I love about God's grace is it's irresistible. Don't you love that? If he says live, you live. And here's why all this takes place. Verse 16, 4. 4. God so loved the world. This is Christ speaking. 
And this is his message to the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. God is. God is as he says he is in his word. We would be without any understanding of the character of God without the Bible. Just be my guess and your guess. But God is as he says he is in his word. One God, the creator, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In three distinct persons, God the Father gave his only begotten Son. He spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all. God so loved. What a verse of Scripture. God so loved the world. The object of God's love, the world. I love this. The world. Are you in the world? God so loved the world. I've read uh, different commentators on this, and I love John Gill. God, John Gill said God so loved the world of the elect. And You know what? I don't like that. It's true, he did love the world of the elect, but I like the way God says it. I like the way Christ says it. God so loved the world. The same world of which John said, the whole world lieth in wickedness. The world Paul called this present evil world, this world that has no love for God. No love for Christ. No need of him. Now, the world hates the one who said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, I realize the world doesn't hate the Jesus that they have made up. I say that with a small j. The Jesus that you can control, the Jesus that you can manipulate, the Jesus that you can get him to respond to you. He's at your request waiting for you to let him do something. Nobody's afraid of that Jesus, but I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ of the Bible, the one who is Lord, the one who you're in his hands and he can do with you. Listen to this. I love saying this. He can do with you whatsoever he's pleased to do. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. The Lord of glory. Your salvation is in his hand. He's not in your hands. You're in his hands. It's up to him as to what's going to take place with you. You know what the world says to that? We'll not have this man reign over us. Yeah, he will. (laughs) Yeah, he will. 
He's the Lord. This is Christ speaking. He says, God so loved the world. The world that nailed him to a cross. The world who said, his blood be upon us and our children. We want to be held responsible for this. This is what we think of this man. His blood be upon us. Let us be held responsible for his death. Let his blood be upon our children. They didn't realize in making this prayer that that's the prayer of every believer. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Now, if I had the whole world for my audience, this would be the message. This is Christ's message to the world. This is his message to the religious and the irreligious. To the believer and the atheist. To the unconcerned and the concerned. To the moral and to the immoral. This is Christ's message to the world. God gave, God so loved, that he gave his only begotten son. Now what's this all about? What's it mean? His only begotten son. But there's only one only begotten son. There are many sons. There's only one only begotten son. And the only begotten son refers to his resurrection. We preach a resurrected Christ. We preach a living Christ. He was dead. He's not dead anymore. In every other tomb, in every other burial place, there's some kind of DNA of that dead person somewhere. Not his burial place. He was raised from the dead. That's what the only begotten is a reference to. It's from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Have I raised you from the dead? Now that happened a thousand years before it took place. But he is the eternal only begotten son. He's called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He's the lamb raised from the foundation of the world. He didn't stay dead in eternity. He was raised in eternity. Everything God does is eternal. He's the eternal God. And Christ is the only begotten Son of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The Son of his love. His beloved Son. I wish I could describe the love that exists between the father and the son but it's beyond description this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased god gave his beloved son what love on his part that he would give his son herein is love not that we love god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. God, this glorious God, the living God, gave 
his beloved son. That whosoever, what a word. Are you a whosoever? Yeah, you are. I'm so thankful for this word. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. The everlasting life spoken of that's given in the new birth. The person who believes has everlasting life. Life. They should not perish because they're justified. It doesn't merely say they will not perish. It says they should not perish. There's nothing for, to condemn them for. If Christ died for me, I have no sin. They should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, verse 17, for, for, God, listen to this, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Now remember, this is Christ's message to the world. God didn't send his son. God didn't send me to condemn the world. Now what's all that about? <clears throat> Beloved, I'm already condemned. He didn't have to send his son into this world to condemn me. I was born condemned. By the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That's what the scripture says. Now, when Adam sinned against God and was condemned by God, you and I sinned against God and were condemned by God. That's just what the Bible teaches. And somebody says, well, how, how can it be right for me to be condemned for somebody else's sin? You're not. You're not. When Adam sinned, you sinned. I wasn't there. You're in him. And if it would have been you instead of Adam, you would have done the same thing. And as far as that goes, let's forget Adam for a second. I've condemned myself by my own actions. I have failed to love God with all my heart. And I've failed to love my neighbors myself. I have always put anything before God. Somebody says, not me. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. I have created in my own mind false gods that I felt more comfortable with, that lined up more with what I wanted. I've been irreverent toward his name. I've never rested perfectly. I failed to honor my parents. You have to. I failed to honor the authority God has put into place. I've been a murderer. I am a murderer. Not I used to be. I am right now. I've killed people's characters by things I've said that were murderous. I am guilty of adultery, whether in my mind or spiritual adultery. I'm an adulterer. I'm a thief. I take things that don't belong to me. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about shoplifting right now. Taking glory to myself that doesn't belong to me. 
I'm a liar. I'm a covetous man. All those things are true. I've condemned. I was already condemned. Christ didn't come to condemn me. I condemned myself by my breaking of God's law. Now, God didn't send Christ to condemn the world. They're already condemned. You're already condemned. There is such a thing as right and wrong. And the only reason there's such a thing as right and wrong is because God is. And you and I were born into this world condemned. Somebody says that doesn't sound good. Well, if you can be born into this world condemned because of your association with another man, you can be saved by your association with another man. The Lord Jesus Christ. In Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now let me make uh, four observations about that. If it took God sending his son into the world to save it by dying on a cross, how evil this world must be. How evil I must be. Don't judge how evil you are by looking within or looking at the things you've done. Judge how evil you are by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way I could be saved is if Jesus Christ came and saved me. How evil I am that it took this to save me. Second observation, if God sent his son into the world, of this we can be sure, whatever he sent him to do, he did. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And you can be doubly sure of this whatever God sent him to do he did he said it is finished his last words from the cross he saved everybody he came to save third observation you can be equally sure of this there is no other way there is no other way mere you could be saved. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And this is perfectly suited for me and you. What do you mean by that? I need someone to do it all for me. This is perfectly suited for me. This is perfectly suited for you. Christ did it all. I love the hymn we sing. Jesus paid it all. All the dead I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For 
God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Him refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is the object of faith. Not God the Father. Not God the Spirit. God the Son. Jesus Christ is the only object of faith. Now, to believe on him is more than an acknowledgement of his existence. It's more than believing the historical facts of the gospel. It's an entrusting of my salvation to him. That's what faith is. It's an entrusting of my salvation to him. It's a simple, I know it's to call anything... Yes, it's simple. It's, it's, it's supernatural, but it's, it's as simple as putting your money in the bank. You're entrusting the bank to take care of your money. I'm entrusting the Lord Jesus Christ with the salvation of my soul. That's what faith is. 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've Committed to him. That, now that's faith. You commit. You personally. You do it. Somebody doesn't do it for you. You commit the salvation of your soul to him. Now listen, I'm relying on him as my surety. The one who took full responsibility for my salvation. I'm relying on him for that. I'm relying on his life as my righteousness before God. His personal obedience is my obedience. I'm relying on him as my substitute. I'm, I'm relying on his death on Calvary's tree as the way my sins are paid for and put away. I'm relying on his resurrection as my justification. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. I'm relying on his intercession right now as the reason I'm going to stay saved. I'm going to... Keep believing because he causes me to, because he prays for me, because he represents me. I'm relying on his second coming for my glorification because that's when I'm going to see him as he is. And as soon as I see him as he is, I'll be just like him. It's relying on him. Are you relying on Jesus Christ for everything in your salvation? I don't mean 99%, I mean everything. I could believe I was saved if I saw more of a change in my life. 
I could believe I was saved if I had more victory over sin. I could believe I was saved if my faith was greater. That's not believing in Christ. That's believing in yourself. Amen? Now, we read in our text of those who believe and those who believe not. Look at verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. And here's why. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Those who believe and those who believe not. And that's what we have here this morning. Those who believe and those who believe not. That would describe me and that would describe you. One of those two descriptions. Those who believe and those who believe not. Now, somebody says, why is that? Well, those who believe have heard. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, that's true enough, but why is that? Why is it that some have heard and some haven't? Well, the Lord said you to a group, you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my Voice, I know them and they follow me. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. There's the difference. God's the difference. Now, if you do not believe, it's because you don't want to believe. If you do believe, it's because God gave you faith. Faith is the gift of God. Now, Okay, I believe that, but upon what ground can I myself personally believe? I see that the Bible teaches that God is sovereign. I see that the Bible teaches that God elected a people before time began to be saved, and they're the ones who will believe. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Acts 13, 48. It doesn't say as many as believed were ordained to eternal life. It says as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. I see that. I see. Listen to me. I need to bring this in when I'm talking about this. Jesus Christ died for the elect. He did not die for all men without exception. If he did, all men without exception would be saved because God is just. If my sins are paid for, I'm never going to have to pay for them. To say that Jesus Christ could die for somebody and they wind up in hell anyway, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be in hell. I'm sure of that. If Christ can die for somebody and that person will end up in hell, I'll be the first one there. I know that. My only hope is that Jesus Christ died for me that he actually paid for my sins and put away my sins. Now, here's my question. Upon what ground can I believe he died for me? There's only one scriptural ground. One. 
1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? I wish everybody would say that out loud. Sinners. Are you a sinner? Are you a sinner? When we were yet without strength, Romans 5, 6, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Are you a sinner? If you are, and I mean the scriptural sins, I'm not talking about saying, well, sure, I'm a sinner, isn't everybody? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who really believes they've not kept one commandment of the Ten Commandments one time in all their life. Well, I can remember as a boy. It's amazing. I, I can remember as a boy going over the Ten Commandments and saying, well, I break, I, I've kept three of them. That's because the three that I thought I kept, I didn't know what they meant. Um, I've broken every commandment. And I'm not talking about the way I used to be. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about right now. I've not kept one commandment one time. And if you think you have, let me give you uh, some news. You've deceived yourself. And you don't really understand the holy law of God. If you understood the holy law of God, you'd know that's so concerning yourself. If I am a sinner, Christ died for me. Question. Since I'm a sinner with no claims on God because of my sin, how can I trust Christ to save me without it being an act of presumption? It's a good question, isn't it? Since I'm a sinner with no claims on God, how can I trust Christ to save me without it being an act of presumption. Let me answer that because I'm commanded to trust Christ to save me. And it's not presumptuous for me to do what God commands me to do. Acts chapter 17 verse 30 says, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Are you in that group? All men everywhere? Are you in that group? You know, it's the same thing with faith. God commands all men everywhere to believe. If God commands me to trust him, you know what? I can trust him. He commands me to. He doesn't give me advice. He doesn't say you'd be better off. He commands me to. He said, come unto me. That's not... An invitation. Somebody says, that's a great invitation. No, it's not. It's a command. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give thee rest. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. This is the result of believing not condemned. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Notice it doesn't say he will not be condemned. Right now, he is not 
condemned. Now, if you're not condemned, you know why you're not condemned? There's nothing to condemn you for. You stand before God sinless. Sinless. How could that be if I've sinned and if I've broken God's law nonstop? How can I be sinless? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. I stand before God without sin. He that believeth on him is not condemned right now. Now somebody's thinking, what about the sad fact that I still sin? That is a sad fact. It's a very sad fact. But that sin is not charged to you. I can remember some 34 years ago, I was in the hospital and I had encephalitis and a lot of pain. They didn't know what was wrong with me at the time. I ended up spending a couple of months in the hospital. But I can remember that one night, I thought for sure I was going to die. I thought, that, I thought that night, whatever it was, sometime in October of 1988, I thought in just not too long I'm going to leave this world and I'm going to stand before God. And I started searching myself to give me some kind of evidence that I was saved. I looked at everything I could about myself. And I couldn't find any evidence that I was saved. Everything appeared to be so dark and sinful. And I started crying that night thinking, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell for my sin. And the Lord brought this scripture to my mind. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I realized that everything I thought about myself was true, but here was my hope. God didn't charge me with it. He charged it to his son. And I can remember. And, and let me say this. While I'm talking about this experience I had, nobody needs an experience. Just believe the gospel. Just believe the gospel. You don't need an experience. You don't need to get sick and get in the hospital and think, no, just believe the gospel right now. As a matter of fact, that takes greater faith than what... Uh, some kind of experience. Forget your, I want to forget that experience. I want to look to trust, look to Christ right now as my only righteousness before God. Even as David described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. He that believeth is not condemned because he's not guilty, justified. Justified before God. That's what Christ did. You know, the world was already condemned. He didn't, condemn, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Beloved, you're commanded to believe the gospel. Not to wait for anything. 
Not to wait till you learn more or have more experience. Trash the experience. It's no good anyway. It might have been, who knows what it, you might have had indigestion or something. You know, I, um, I want to look to Christ right now. Now, not condemned, that's continual. That's continual. It's complete, not condemned by any measure to any degree. It's effectual. It cannot be nullified by sin. That's going to be seen on Judgment Day when I'm justified and sinless. Not condemned. Not guilty. Let me give you three closing thoughts. He that believeth is not condemned. First thought. This excludes boasting, doesn't it? Do you have anything to boast about in your salvation? This altogether excludes boasting. Number two, this excludes despair. Here's mercy for the greatest of sinners right now. This excludes despair. I don't care who you are. This gospel will save you. Number three, this promotes obedience. This promotes obedience. Law never promoted obedience. Love does. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul. My life. My own. The argument against the gospel as well, if you talk about a complete salvation, uh, people live just like they want to. Well, I'll tell you what, I know what a believer's want to is. I want to be perfectly conformed to the image of Christ. I want to be just like... This is the only thing that truly promotes obedience. He that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's pray. Lord, in Christ's name, that name that's above every name, the glorious name of your Son, we ask that you would be pleased to save each one of us and cause us to be of the number that believe. How we thank you that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How we thank you that you sent not your Son to condemn the world 
but that the world through him might be saved. In his blessed name we pray.